These recordings are intended for participants in the Porter Hospital Mental Health PHP and IOP program. These recordings are designed to supplement the material learned in groups and are not intended as a standalone treatment or a replacement for your own treatment. If you're having thoughts about harming yourself or others, please immediately contact your own treatment provider, take yourself to the nearest emergency room, or call 911. Welcome to the Porter Hospital Mental Health PHP and IOP audio recording series on improving your coping skills. These audio recordings are designed to supplement material presented in the context of treatment groups and other activities in the IOP PHP. The recordings will focus on the use of cognitive behavior therapy and dialectical behavior therapy skills. Practice these skills is essential to your ability to use them to your benefit to better manage any emotional and behavioral difficulties that you might have. The subject of this audio recording is a topic called activity scheduling. Activity scheduling is a basic core level intervention in cognitive behavior therapy frequently used with people who have a severe level of depression. By the end of this module... Hopefully, the participant will be able to identify behavior patterns that contribute to and maintain mood problems, that you'll be able to use graded activity to increase your activity level and complete tasks, and that you'll be able to develop a written activity schedule to make changes in behavior that will help increase adaptive behaviors, including self-care, eating, sleeping, socialization, recreation, and enjoyment. At the time that you finish filling out either a daily or weekly activity schedule will also monitor to check and see how you're doing in terms of maintaining mood improvement. As mentioned, activity scheduling is a core level intervention in the treatment of depression. It's also one of the core level foundation pieces in the PHP and IOP programs here at Porter Hospital. There are certain populations that tend to benefit from activity scheduling more than others. The basic population groups include passive people that have too little activity or hypersomnic, that is, sleep excessively through the day, people who tend to be avoidant or feel stuck in their treatment, people who feel overwhelmed by too many tasks, and people who have suicidal thoughts. As you'll likely hear several times through the program, our behavior tends to be congruent with our mood. That is, we tend to behave the way that we feel. And when we feel depressed, we tend to slow down, we tend to withdraw, and we tend to shut down. The purpose of activity scheduling is allow us to fight the way we feel and to be able to take care of tasks and engage in behaviors that are going to be beneficial for our depression rather than reinforcing our depression. The only problem is because we're going to feel like withdrawing, we're going to feel like shutting down, we're going to feel like going to bed, it's going to be very difficult to challenge some of those behaviors because they are so mood congruent. All the things that we're going to be talking about in activity scheduling are going to require the use of something called opposite action. That is, we're going to have to force ourselves to behave in a way that's opposite to the way that we feel if we want to make substantial improvements in the treatment of our depression. Remember, when we follow the way we feel when we're depressed, we tend to withdraw, we tend to avoid, we tend to isolate, we tend to shut down. The purpose of this is, instead of following the way you feel, to force yourself to get out, to be around other people, to do things, even though you don't feel like doing it. 
There are some things to remember as we go through this. Activity makes you feel better. It's not going to feel that way when you first start it, but after you've started, you're going to feel better after you do something, even if it's something small. Activity makes you feel less tired. Again, when you're depressed, you feel like you have very little energy at all. That's not exactly true. That's the lie that depression is telling you, and you need to be able to force yourself to do things, and when you do, you're going to feel more energized after you do it. Activity motivates you to do more. If you're able to start something small, chances are you'll be able to continue that and do other things as well. And activity improves your ability to think. When you're depressed, you're going to have difficulty making decisions. You're going to have trouble with attention and concentration. You're going to have trouble with memory. The more active you are, even if you have to force yourself, it means the clearer your thinking is going to become. Remember, we're not going to feel like doing anything when we're depressed. But if we follow the way we feel, we stay depressed. It's when we force ourselves to get out and act against the way that we feel that we make improvements in our level of depression. If you wait until you feel like doing it, you're going to be waiting a very, very long time. One of the concepts that we're going to become familiar with as we learn about activity scheduling is something called graduated activity. Graduated activity means we're going to start in small steps and keep doing things in small steps. For instance, if you have a mountain of laundry and it's time to do the laundry, you may look at that mountain of laundry and decide there's no way I'm going to be able to handle that. You'll wind up feeling overwhelmed and instead of getting a little bit done, you completely give up go to bed, lay on the couch, and watch TV. With graduated activity, instead, we're going to focus on taking tiny little steps and doing the smallest amount necessary to be able to at least start the activity, and then we're going to climb from there. So if it's laundry, we may separate out just one load of laundry. We may separate out the white colors. We may separate out the dark colors, the bright colors, and just focus on doing one load of laundry. After we've done just one load of laundry, we may focus then on moving it from the washer to the dryer. And after it's dried, we may focus on just getting it out of the dryer, folding it, and putting it away. We're not going to look at tackling the entire mountain of laundry. We're only going to focus on doing small steps towards the ultimate goal. It's better to go ahead and do one load of laundry than no laundry at all. It's better to go ahead and start a load of laundry rather than not doing it at all. Even if you don't get to the step of drying it or folding it and putting it away, at least you've done one step that's gotten you further ahead than you would had you not been able to do anything at all. So as we go through this, keep in mind we're going to try to do the smallest step possible. It's better to do a little bit than to do nothing at all. Now that we have some of the basic concepts of opposite action and graduated activity covered, we're going to move into actually completing an activity schedule. And by that I mean we actually get a piece of paper and we write down some of our plans for the day and what we can do to start taking action to make improvements with our depression. There are two basic activity schedules that are used in this program. One of those is a daily schedule, the other of those is a weekly schedule. If you're new to the program or you're still experiencing a severe level of depression, I'd suggest you go ahead and start out with the daily activity schedule. Some people find the weekly activity schedule too overwhelming when they first start out. The daily activity schedule only focuses on the day that you're in right now, 
coming up with some things that you're going to do for the day and just getting through the day. It's probably going to be a little bit too much to expect people to be able to do a weekly activity schedule at this point, but as you progress in the program and the depression improves, that would be the time then to move over to making a weekly activity schedule. On this recording, there should be two files, one for a daily activity schedule, one for a weekly activity schedule. You can open both of those, print them out, and continue to use those through the remainder of your treatment. There are certain basic elements that are going to go into any activity schedule, whether it's the daily or the weekly activity schedule. The first of those is something called a sleep schedule. We're going to cover sleep in a little more detail in the recording on sleep hygiene, but for the purpose of our activity schedule, a sleep schedule is a consistent time that we go to bed at night and a consistent time that we wake up every morning. We're going to try to keep our sleep schedule as consistent as possible. The more consistent we can make it, the more stable we can make it. The more irregular it is, the harder it is to stabilize your sleep. The more your sleep is disturbed, the harder it is to recover from depression. So on our activity schedule right now, let's go ahead and write down a consistent time we're going to wake up every single morning. That means weekdays, weekends, holidays, and we're going to do this for at least two weeks. Some people report a benefit of continuing to do this beyond two weeks, but for the purpose of experimenting and seeing if this is going to help with our depression and our sleep, we're going to try to do this for at least two weeks. That means when the alarm goes off, we need to be able to get up instead of slapping the snooze button 15 or 16 times before we finally get out of bed or turning the alarm off altogether. That also means we're going to have a consistent schedule for getting to sleep at night. We may have to build in a wind-down schedule to be able to accommodate that, but again, we want to have a consistent time to wake up, a consistent time to go to bed every night. The next item that we're going to be putting on our activity schedule is a consistent time to take medication. The more consistently we can take medication, the more effective it's going to be. The more inconsistent we are with medication, and as you probably guessed, the less effective it's going to be. If you've ever forgotten to take a dose of medication, if you've ever accidentally double-dosed yourself by forgetting to take medication, and forgetting if you've taken medication and then taken an extra dose, or if you've run out of medication or not been able to get it filled, this can be a helpful thing for you. We're going to try to take our medication at a consistent time every single day. If we can go ahead and schedule it, we're more likely to actually do it. There may be some things that help us remember to take our medication on a consistent basis. Some of the suggestions from other people in the program who've been in a similar situation are to set a cell phone alarm or set a watch alarm for the same time every single day as a reminder to take medication. Some people find it easier to remember to take medication if they combine it with some other behavior, such as eating. If you eat breakfast and take your daytime medication at the same time, you're more likely to eat breakfast. You're also more likely to take your medication on a consistent basis. There are also all sorts of medication boxes that have timers built into them. You might even need to rely on the assistance of a friend or family member in terms of making sure that you take your medication. Our next basic item for an activity schedule is eating. When people become depressed, they often lose their appetite, find that food is unappetizing, they don't enjoy eating. In fact, sometimes they feel a little worse after eating sometimes. 
But the fact remains that if we're not eating properly, it's going to lengthen the recovery period for depression. You need to be able to take care of yourself when you're depressed. And if you're neglecting yourself and not eating, it means you're treating yourself worse, and that's going to make it harder for you to recover from the depression. Eating is one of those basic things that we need to do. We don't have to eat a lot, but we do need to eat consistently. The more consistently we can eat, the better it's going to be for us to fight our depression. To help with our eating, we're going to focus again on doing it in small bites, if you will. We're going to try to identify foods that are appetizing, foods that we can eat even though we're not feeling like we have much of an appetite, and making sure we can eat consistently at least three meals a day. For some people, fresh fruit is something that they're able to tolerate even when they don't have an appetite for much else. Other people are able to eat yogurt, cereal, mashed potatoes, some fairly simple things. But again, we're going to make it as simple as possible. Also, if we're depressed, it means we may have let some things slide around the house. That can include things like washing the dishes, washing utensils, cleaning up pots and pans. And so cooking or even preparing food may feel a little bit overwhelming if we have other tasks we need to do first. What some people have found beneficial is to rely on paper plates and plasticware and being able to throw away those things at the end of the meal rather than thinking that they have to clean those things for the next meal. Some people prefer to do cereal, something simple that they can get down. Other people buy frozen microwave meals because of the ease of preparation and the ease of cleanup. Whatever you decide to do, you need to be able to do it consistently. It's going to be better for you to have several small meals through the day than only one meal, so plan ahead accordingly. Some people also find that it's easier to eat if they have someone to eat with, whether it's going out to dinner, going to somebody else's house, or having somebody else come to their house. Remember, if you're not eating consistently, it's going to lengthen the recovery period for your depression. Self-care is another item that needs to go on our activity schedule. Again, when we get depressed, we tend to withdraw, we tend to isolate, we tend to shut down, and our self-care, what are called activities of daily living, or ADLs, tend to suffer. We can sometimes go days without showering, we can wear the same clothes for several days, we can neglect our hygiene, we may not brush our teeth, we may not brush our hair, we may not take care of much of anything in terms of our personal hygiene. But if you're not doing that, it also means you're less likely to leave the house, you're less likely to be around other people, and those things are essential to recovery from your depression. So we need to be able to schedule some self-care into our daily activity schedule and make sure it's something that we do every single day, regardless of if we feel like it or not. If we go ahead and the first thing that we do when we get up is to go shave or brush our teeth and shower, we're less likely to go back to bed and spend the day in bed. We're more likely to put on clean clothes. We're more likely to leave the house. We're more likely to be around other people. All things that tend to improve our depression rather than worsen our depression. Our next area to include in our activity schedule is exercise. This may be a little bit frightening to people who are severely depressed because of the lack of energy and motivation that they already have, but even a little bit of exercise can carry some tremendous benefits with it. Again, the more active we are, the better we feel, 
the more energized we feel, the clearer we think. So if you can find some way to get just a little bit of exercise in, even if it's just a walk around the block, even if it's just walking up and down the sidewalk for 15 or 20 minutes, that's going to be more beneficial to us than not doing anything at all. Again, we don't have to run marathons. We don't have to get an elliptical bike and go to a spin class. All we have to do is get some basic activity, and when we do that, that's going to provide some tremendous mood benefits. It may not happen immediately, but if you're able to consistently do it, you're going to continue to get benefits from it. Some people need to borrow motivation from other people to be able to do that. So if there's a family member, a friend, your children, a pet that you can use to help borrow some motivation and some energy initially, it's going to be able to help you consistently engage in some exercise. Remember, we're going to be doing things in graduated steps, small steps. Even if you can't walk around the block, being able to walk halfway around the block and back is still going to help. Even if you can't make it halfway, at least a quarter of a way around the block and then back is going to help. We're going to take it in as small steps as we need to to be able to do it. It's better to do a little bit than to not do anything at all. Remember, if you have other health problems, consult your PCP, your primary care physician, before engaging in any sort of exercise program. Those are the basic items that we want to include on an activity schedule. There are some other things that eventually we're going to want to put on our activity schedule, but for right now, those are the basics. Again, we're going to start out small, we're going to take things in small steps. It's better to do a little bit than to do nothing at all. The more of those things we can do, the better off we're going to do. Even if you have those things on your activity schedule and you don't manage to accomplish all of them, if you've at least accomplished some of them, it's better than doing nothing at all. It's easy to feel defeated when you're depressed if you don't get all the things that you have written down. Instead of feeling defeated about that, recognize the things that you were able to accomplish, even though they're difficult, and focus on being able to just take one step further than you took today. One other item that you can put on your activity schedule and that you'll need to have on your activity schedule, particularly as your depression improves, is doing something for fun. When we get depressed, we get extremely anhedonic. It means we lose pleasure and interest in things. Many people have stopped doing hobbies, have stopped doing recreation, have given up activities that they enjoyed because of their depression. When we're depressed, again, you're probably not going to feel like doing things for fun. You're probably not going to think that you're able to have fun. But doing things specifically for pleasure is a key factor in fighting depression. If you're not doing things for fun, it's going to lengthen your recovery period. You may not feel like you're going to enjoy something even if you do it. That's a normal part of depression. You're probably going to wind up enjoying it more than you expect to. You may not enjoy it as much as you would when you're not depressed, but you're probably going to enjoy it more than you expect yourself to. If you're able to find something to do for fun, it's going to help you combat the depression. If you don't do anything for fun, it means you're reinforcing the depression. You're keeping yourself stuck in the same place. Hopefully by this point you've at least had a chance to start filling out your activity schedule. Be sure to include those basic elements. There's an activity schedule handout that goes along with this that supplements this material. There are some things you need to be aware of and be cautious about when you're working on your activity schedule. Some of the things to look out for are naps. 
when you're depressed, you don't have much energy, you want to make the time go by more quickly, so many people take naps and can spend hours during the day in bed. We're going to try to cut out naps as much as possible. Another thing to watch out for is excessive time watching TV. Between napping and TV, a lot of the day can be wasted. When we do those things, we don't necessarily feel better. We haven't done anything to improve the depression. We've just made time go by a little bit more quickly. If we were able to find things to do instead of napping, instead of watching TV, we have a better chance of improving our depression and being able to get some relief. The big thing to watch out for is huge chunks of unstructured time. When you're depressed and you have those huge chunks of unstructured time, those are the kiss of death. That's when you're more likely to go to bed. That's when you're more likely to nap. That's when you're more likely to watch TV. That's when you're more likely to engage in behaviors that tend to be self-defeating and are going to make things better or worse rather than better. We need to eventually find ways of putting some more adaptive things into our activity schedule to better occupy our time. The difficult times for many people in this program are in the afternoons when the program is over with but nobody else is at home, evenings and nights if you live alone and nobody else lives with you, and weekends where there are large chunks of unstructured time. Coming up with a plan ahead of time to deal with those unstructured periods of time is going to be essential in combating the depression. Your therapist in the day treatment program can help you figure out some other options to fill those times. There will also be some groups that deal with those topics as well. Filling out an activity schedule every single day may seem to be a little bit redundant or it may seem to be a little bit overwhelming. That's okay. It's better to do a little bit than to do nothing at all. If you're able to use an activity schedule on a consistent basis, you're going to have a good tool to help you combat depression. If you decide not to do a daily activity schedule, it also means that there are likely other things that you're doing that could be exacerbating or worsening the depression as well. So this is one of those essential tools that we use to be able to deal with and improve depression. If you have any questions about activity scheduling or other elements of your treatment, don't hesitate to ask your therapist in the day treatment program. The topic for this audio recording is sleep hygiene. Sleep hygiene is a collection of related behaviors that are designed to improve and maintain sleep. The learning objectives for this module are to have participants identify their own problematic behaviors that may interfere with sleep, to develop a plan that incorporates elements of sleep hygiene into their own sleep regimen, and then to be able to monitor their sleep and report back any changes in their sleeping patterns. Almost every mood disorder, in fact most psychiatric disorders, include a sleep disturbance. With depression, people usually have difficulty with sleeping called insomnia. There are several different kinds of insomnia. When people lay down to go to bed and have a difficult time going to sleep, it's called initial insomnia. When you wake up in the middle of the night, you toss and turn, you have a hard time going back to sleep, it's called middle insomnia. When you wake up early in the morning, hours earlier than you're planning to wake up, and are not able to get back to sleep, it's called terminal insomnia. 
The other side of that coin is people who have something called hypersomnia. As the name implies, we sleep excessively. We sleep too much. Problems with sleep are going to limit our ability to improve our depression. And the better able we are to manage our sleep, the better able we're going to be to manage our mood difficulties. The purpose of sleep hygiene is then to identify some problematic behaviors that may interfere with sleep and to identify new, more adaptive behaviors that we can use instead to be able to improve and maintain our sleep. There's some interesting research that indicates that the protocols we're going to be talking about here have been proven to be more effective long-term than many sleep medications in terms of restoring our sleep and maintaining our sleep. Many of these measures may seem common sense and simplistic, but despite that, they tend to be very effective. The more of these things that we can use together, the more effective they will be in maintaining our sleep. We want to do these interventions for at least two weeks consistently. We don't necessarily have to continue these things the rest of our life, although some people do report when they follow the sleep hygiene protocols, they have much better sleep. And when they vary from the sleep hygiene protocols, they have great difficulty with their sleep. The first area that we're going to address in sleep hygiene is also one that we mentioned in our activity scheduling recording in module, and that is establishing a consistent sleep schedule. Consistency is the key word here. We want to make our sleep pattern as consistent as possible. If some nights we're going to bed at 7 p.m. and other nights we're going to bed at 2 a.m., it's going to make it extremely difficult for our brains and our bodies to adapt and to allow us to sleep consistently. So we're going to establish a consistent sleep schedule. Hopefully you've already started that through your work and activity scheduling, but if not, now is the time to start. We want to have a consistent time to go to bed at night. We want to have a consistent time to wake up in the morning. The more consistent we can make that, the more consistent our sleep is going to be. For us to be able to go to bed consistently, it means we need to have probably a wind-down period of 45 minutes to an hour prior to the time we actually go to bed. If you're scrambling madly trying to get everything accomplished before you go to bed, you're doing laundry, you're washing dishes, you're getting the kids ready for bed, you're taking care of odds and ends around the house, it means when you try to go to bed, your system's going to be cranked into high gear. We want to have some restful way of allowing you to be able to wind down to the point where you can go to sleep. It's usually at this point that several people mention, what if your schedule doesn't allow that? The answer to that is, if your schedule is so busy that you're not able to wind down to go to sleep, you do not have a sustainable schedule. It's going to contribute to ongoing mood problems and other difficulties until you're able to make sufficient changes in your schedule on an ongoing basis to allow that to happen. Having a consistent ritual for bedtime that allows you to wind down and ease into sleep is going to be a huge factor in improving your sleep on a long-term basis. Getting out of bed at a consistent time in the morning is also going to be a key to improving your sleep. When people are depressed, it's usually very difficult for them to get out of bed for a number of reasons. They hit the snooze several times, if not more than that. They turn off the alarm, 
They stay in bed until late in the day sometimes, but those behaviors tend to worsen our mood. They reinforce the depression rather than improving things. The people that sleep 12, 16 or more hours a day generally don't feel better rested. They don't feel less depressed. They don't feel more energetic. It just makes the time go by more quickly. But if we were to change that pattern, if we were to force ourselves to do things that are going to improve our sleep, it's also going to improve our depression. But we're going to have to force ourselves to do that. That goes back to the concept of opposite action that we spoke of in the activity scheduling module. Remember, we want to make our sleep as consistent as we can make it. The more consistent it is, the better we're going to sleep now, the better we're going to sleep in the future. The next item is usually a difficult one for many people. We're going to recommend no naps during the day. That's right, no naps during the day. If we're sleeping during the day, generally speaking, it's going to worsen our sleep at night. Again, people who are depressed and do nap during the day generally don't feel better mood-wise. They don't feel less depressed. They don't feel better rested. They don't feel more energetic or motivated. It just makes the time go by more quickly. But what it's also doing is reinforcing the depression and ruining your sleep at night. We're going to try to cut out naps entirely. Again, if you're sleeping during the day, you're not going to sleep as well at night. It also means if you're sleeping during the day that you're not doing other things that could be better for improving your depression and helping you recover from your depression. Naps make things worse, not better. We're going to try to eliminate them as much as possible. Our next recommendation is to sleep only when sleepy. That means at night. If you're in bed for hours at a time, you can't sleep, it's the middle of the night. If you're depressed, you're usually going to be bombarded by a lot of negative thoughts, anxious thoughts, hopeless thoughts, helpless thoughts. It's going to make your depression worse instead of better. So if you find yourself unable to sleep for 20 to 30 minutes, it's time to go ahead and get out of bed. What some people report is if they keep the lights off and just stand up by the side of the bed and keep their eyes closed, again, assuming they don't have balance problems or low blood pressure problems, if they can stand there for a few minutes, sometimes they feel drowsy enough to be able to lay back in bed and go to sleep. If that doesn't work, it's time to get out of bed. But there are a couple of warnings that go along with this. The first is, we don't want to turn on the lights. If we turn on the lights, it's a signal to our brain that it's time to wake up. That's going to make going back to sleep more difficult. So we're going to want to keep the lights out or the lights as low as possible. We're not going to engage in any behaviors that are going to make us more awake, more alert, or get our system cranked up physically. That leaves us just a very few options for things that we can do while we're awake in the middle of the night trying to get back to sleep. Some people watch TV. Sometimes that can be helpful, but you need to be careful with the programs you choose. If you find a TV show that's interesting, if you find an old favorite show or movie on, you may get so interested in that that it makes you more awake, more alert, and you may continue to watch the show past the point when you're drowsy enough to actually be able to go back to sleep and go to bed. So if you are going to watch the TV, find something boring. Find an infomercial that has no attraction to you at all. Turn on some sort of stock exchange report. Turn on the farm report, assuming that you're not interested in those sort of things. But find something that's boring. 
find something that's not going to hold your attention. Some people can read if they keep the lights low enough to be able to read, but again, you have to practice choosing the right selections. If you pick up a favorite novel, you may get so interested that it makes you more awake, more alert, and again, you may read past the point when you're drowsy enough to actually get back to sleep. Find something boring. Keep the lights low. Pick up your vacuum cleaner manual. Read the end-user license agreement on any software package that you have. Find something that you have no interest in, something that you're not going to get excited about, and try to focus on that. Avoid computer games because, again, they're going to make you more awake and more alert. Sometimes you might be able to do something like color in a kid's coloring book with crayons. You may be able to do some knitting with the lights on low. But whatever you do, don't make it too physically demanding. Don't make it too interesting. Don't make your brain wake up. Don't make your body wake up more than necessary. If you decide to clean in the middle of the night, that's just going to crank your system up and make it almost impossible to get back to sleep. When you do feel yourself getting drowsy, go back to bed, lie down, see if you can get to sleep. If you can't get to sleep in 20 or 30 minutes, it's time to get back out of bed and repeat the process. The temptation is then the next day to take a nap during the day because you haven't slept well at night. And if you do that, it really throws a monkey wrench into this plan because the idea is we want you to not sleep during the day so you'll be better able to sleep the next night, even if it means you've gone without some sleep. A next item, don't look at the clock when you wake up in the night. If you look at the clock, it means you're going to be calculating how long you've been asleep. If you get to sleep now, how much longer you can sleep before you have to wake up, how long it's been since the last time you woke up and looked at the clock, all that calculating is going to make you mentally more alert and more awake. So face the alarm clock away from yourself. Another one that seems fairly obvious is no exercise within four hours of bedtime. If you're exercising, it means your body's going to be cranked into high gear. If your body's cranked into high gear, it means it's going to be difficult for you to be able to get to sleep. Again, if you say the only time I have to exercise is right before bed, it means you have a lifestyle that's not sustainable in the long term. You need to make some changes to your lifestyle to better sleep and better manage your mood. Our next item is to use the bed and the bedroom for sleep only, with one exception, and we'll cover that in a little bit. For many people, the bed and the bedroom become command central for their lives. Not only do they try to sleep in the bed, they eat in their bed, they read in their bed, they make phone calls in their bed, they balance the checkbook, they pay the bills, they bring work home, and all the stuff winds up in the bed. With all that going on, the bed and the bedroom are no longer a sanctuary for sleep. We need to get all that stuff out. That can include computer, TV, even radio sometimes, so that we can make the bedroom and the bed a sanctuary for sleep. Other people use the bed as storage. They have books, they have magazines, they have newspapers, they have clothes, they have any number of things that they have to push out of the way to make a space big enough for them to be able to lie down, but then it causes them all sorts of problems at night. Get everything off the bed, make the bed in the bedroom a sanctuary for sleep. The one exception to that is you can also use the bed in the bedroom for sex. When you're depressed, you may not feel like it, but that's the exception that we have going on right now. Move everything out. 
make the bed in the bedroom a sanctuary for sleep. Some people thought that wasn't a necessary thing to do, but when they did it, they were surprised at how much better their sleep got. Our next item, again, that may seem fairly obvious, is avoiding caffeine after 12 noon. A lot of people guzzle soft drinks throughout the day. They have coffee throughout the evening. But all that caffeine is a stimulant. And if you're dumping stimulants into your system, it's going to keep you up at night. This is another area where people don't realize the impact this has on their sleep. The people that thought the, the caffeine was insignificant with their sleep, when they did discontinue it afternoon, were surprised how much better their sleep was. Caffeine is a stimulant, and if you're dumping a stimulant into your system, it's going to interfere with your sleep. The problem is, if we're not sleeping well, we may rely on caffeinated drinks to be able to help wake us up and make us alert. But then we sleep poorly the next night, so we rely on caffeine to make us more alert the next day. But then we sleep poorly at night, so we rely on caffeine the next day. We may find our caffeine intake going up and up and up, our sleep going down and down, and not realize the link between those two things. If at all possible, discontinue caffeine after noon. Sometimes a light snack before bed can help us sleep. By a light snack, it means something that's not going to be too spicy, not something that's going to be too greasy. We want something that's going to be easy to digest to help us sleep. A little bit of cereal might be something. A glass of milk might be something. A giant pepperoni pizza with jalapenos is probably not the ideal snack. All that spice, all that grease is going to keep our digestive system up, and that's going to keep us up. A lot of people take a bath or a shower before bedtime. The problem is, while a hot bath or a hot shower may help relax us, it's going to increase our core body temperature. It's the drop in core body temperature that helps us get to sleep and stay asleep. So if we do that, make sure to do it 90 minutes or more before we try to go to bed. We tend to sleep better when it's cooler. We tend to sleep better when it's quieter. We tend to sleep better when it's darker. The more cool, quiet, and dark we can make our bedroom, the better we're going to sleep. If you have a flashing, noisy neon light right outside your bedroom window, that's probably going to have a negative effect on your sleep. Some people can get heavy-duty curtains. Some people need to put foil over their windows. Some people need to have some source of white noise, like a fan or something else, to be able to get rid of some of the external noises that may cause us problems with our sleep. Some people want to listen to the TV or the radio while they go to sleep, and have been doing it sometimes for years. The problem is that if we leave the TV or radio on, the difference in the noise that it makes can be enough to lift us out of sleep. Our sleep could be shallow enough that any sort of change can make us more awake and more alert without fully waking us up. So even if we are sleeping, it's not a particularly restful sleep. Some people decide that they can set the timer on the TV or the radio so that it goes off at a certain interval. The problem is when there's no more noise, when there's that abrupt change, that's sometimes enough to wake us up. Again, we get rid of the radio, we get rid of the TV, we get rid of the computer out of the bedroom and don't rely on those to help us get to sleep. Another obvious area is avoiding fluids before bedtime. The less we can drink 
within a couple of hours of bed, the less we're going to have to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. Another fairly obvious one is avoiding alcohol. Alcohol is a central nervous system depressant. Some people use it to be able to induce sleep. The problem is that it's a fairly light sleep. It's a fairly restless sleep. And because alcohol is a depressant, it's going to actually make us more depressed the more we continue to use it. It's not a good solution to sleep problems. Infrequently, it turns into its own problem. An interesting one is you can use sunlight to help reset your biological clock. There's some evidence that when you get up in the morning, if you go outside and spend 15 to 30 minutes facing the morning sun, it can help reset your biological clock. It can help you sleep. It can also help with depression. Those are some of the basic things for sleep hygiene. There are some other suggestions listed on the sleep hygiene handout, but if you can identify some of those things that you do that may be problematic for your sleep, if you can make some adaptive changes in those behaviors and use those consistently for at least two weeks, it can have a beneficial effect on your sleep and also a beneficial effect on your depression and any mood difficulties that you might have. Do it consistently for two weeks, and let's see how that works in terms of managing sleep and managing mood. Again, any questions you have about sleep hygiene or other modules that we're working on, be sure to ask your treatment coordinator for assistance with those. We hope you find these audio recordings helpful. These were designed to supplement the coping skills you've been learning in the CBT and DBT groups, not to replace those groups. We plan to add additional audio recordings in the very near future. If you have any questions, please contact your treatment coordinator.